0: I think it comes down to Mo being so afraid to make a mistake and let the wrong guy go after getting so much backlash from a Rosarena and um, the Gallon and Sandy Alcantara uh, trade for Ozuna. Uh, those kind of things. And he's, I, I get the sense that he's so afraid of making a mistake and letting the wrong guy go that he just took the strategy of, well, we'll just try to sell it that we have Six starters, and all of them are worthy of being in the majors, and that'll be good. <music>
1: Welcome, folks, back to Broadway and Clark with your hosts, Duncan over there, Mark here. Um, We are coming to you live in the middle of Game 3. I believe it's the uh, end of 4. And um, uh, some interesting things have already happened in this game. Texas up 3-0. Corey Seager with the two-run shot. Probably the, the most interesting development so far was uh, Max Scherzer, who took one a little bit off his back that they actually wound up making the play. I think that's what happened, or he wrenched his back trying to stay out of the way of the ball. It was coming, r- pardon me, right at him. Uh, he, he got taken out, so he only was able to pitch three innings of shutout ball. And John Gray just came in and got his first inning of uh, did not give up a run in uh, the fourth. So uh, we were hoping to get a podcast out last night. Didn't happen. So here we are uh, trying a little live broadcast, a little live podding while, we were, while we're were while we watching the game. Uh, Duncan, how are you tonight?
0: Doing well. Um excited to catch a little more baseball and this will be interesting kind of balancing talking about old games and seeing live stuff happening in this current game right now too i've got a a fire here next to me so you might hear a little background noise and stuff like that so hopefully that's okay as far as the audio is concerned and everything but it's a nice cozy uh evening here watching a little baseball
1: Cooling off in the loo, it is. I think, uh, (laughs) yeah,
0: it's cold. Earlier,
1: I think it was uh, clocking in at about 39 degrees, and I think tonight we could get our first freeze of the year.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I was thinking about this earlier today, and, uh, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of the playoffs, we're like, all right, cold weather baseball's back. Let's break out your jackets, you know, that kind of thing, watching the games. Well, not this World Series. you got a game in the desert and a game in Dallas, Texas. So it's nice and toasty. they got the windows open and the roof open at at, uh, Chase Field right now. So uh, definitely nice and balmy there, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it looks beautiful in Phoenix area. I bet it's, what do you think, probably in the
0: mid-70s right now? (laughs) That's what I was going to say, maybe upper 70s, yeah. Nice. Perfect uh, late October evening there.
1: Now, when they go back to Dallas, they could get a little snap, but it won't be anything compared to up here. <laughs> uh, Toronto. Well, Toronto, I guess, has the indoor stadium. Well, I wonder what the most northern, the northernmost. I mean, obviously, it's probably Seattle, but they don't get the same kind of winter. Probably Boston,
0: huh? I was going to say Boston. How how far north are they? Or no. Detroit, maybe? I don't know how. I don't know. I'd have to look at it. Boston and Detroit, yeah, they might be on a line. <clears throat> you know, Milwaukee's got the indoor. I just looked oh. it up because I was so curious. Now it is Seattle. That makes sense. they yeah. got a little different weather out there because of the mountains and the Pacific Ocean and everything, but still, yeah. uh, I'm sure chilly um, in October. Hopefully they get there next year. We'll get to see what that looks like.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting. I know uh, Mr. Rodriguez would like that. Um, Yeah, So we're 1-1 Now with Texas on the road With you know where they're warriors Obviously they got this three run lead Arizona's going to have to figure something out uh, With uh, five more cracks At it 15 outs Um, Game one Arizona thought they had one uh, And that didn't turn out the way they wanted And then game two Was just a just a shellacking by the D-backs. So uh, any overall thoughts of where we stand so far? Uh, Take it away. Anything you want to talk about relative to these, to the first two games plus now?
0: Yeah, kind of after the first two games, a a couple interesting uh, pieces that I could see kind of both teams having these thoughts you know after you know you have the series shift um cities and you kind of reevaluate where you're at with the series what do we need to do maybe like your view on the series changes and you know you're like all right it's a it's a best of five now essentially or you know whatever the case is uh, which would be the case here but um if you're the d-backs your view on this now is all right We should have won both of those games. Everyone says that we're the underdog. That's not the case. We essentially won the first game the team, uh, won the first game outside of Seawall just having a tough uh, end of the game there. Um, And so you feel really good about that game, and then how you performed in game two. So you're feeling great heading back home, And you've got maybe the hottest pitcher in the the postseason right now with Brandon Fott on the mound. Um, Merrill Kelly might have something to say about that too, and Jordan Montgomery. But uh, you're feeling really good heading into the rest of this uh, series and everything. Now, if you're the Rangers, I think you're feeling great too. You had a great win in game one, a good comeback win, which they really hadn't had uh, for a a while um, coming back at the end of the game. So you feel really good about that. And game two, yeah, you, you'd you like to win that as well at home. But, you know, you you say, okay, it's a a tied series, a best of five, where the higher seed, they would still have, would they still have home field? Regardless, you still feel good uh, going into the rest of the series, too, there. So I could see both teams feeling all right about where they are. Uh, but I would give the edge to the D-backs. Being on the road, splitting there, having fought on the mound, feeling like you really won both of those. Yeah, what do what do you think about it? No,
1: I agree. I think the Diamondbacks are, um, you know, in the advantage. Although, you know, given their situation right now, uh, you know that'll quickly change by the end of this game if they don't right the ship and score a few runs off of John Gray and. You know, I'm assuming we're going to see the whole, uh, you know, the whole lineup of uh, the Rangers' pen. I don't know if Dunning comes out. He pitched, I think, in both games over the weekend. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I
0: mean, obviously, they're trying to get to Clark. That's the whole key. And sports. Yeah, I'm sure you'd see Dunning, yeah. Heaney, Stratton pitch last night, but you might see him. Martin Perez pitched last night, or not, last night, two nights ago.
1: Yeah, you, might, last be, you might see Heaney. That's a good call right there.
0: Um. Oh, big double. Oh, I thought they had the double yeah, play there. Two, yeah, two, top two five outs
1: and uh, nice effort. Hot shot to third. Um, coming from third. Is that Rivera? I didn't even look quick enough to see if that was Longo or Rivera.
0: But uh, lately they've been uh, bringing Rivera in as a late game defensive replacement. So I bet it's still long ago since it's top five.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If they didn't start him at at DH, that would be right. Um, But anyway, yeah. So my feelings are that it's a pretty evenly matched series. Uh, Texas has not had their blowout offensive performance yet. You know, six in one game, one in the next. But all those six of those six runs, three of them came, you know, with two outs in the ninth or later. I like Diamondbacks baseball. You got to get base runners to make it happen. I think sometimes, especially some of their young hitters, uh, get a little too anxious early in counts, and they they kind of give away strikes or they they go too quick. Um, but they, if they can get almost any inning, they get two hits. Even if they're singles, you'll like them to get a run out of it. And when you're that efficient with your offense, I feel like you have an advantage, you know, almost all the time. Now the facts are getting two hits in an inning uh, it's not as easy as as it appears. doesn't happen as often as everybody thinks. And, you know, you can be overwhelmed by an offense like the Rangers that just has power up and down the lineup. Uh, you know, guys that are very comfortable putting a little uppercut in it. You know, they're very modern players. And their best all-around player, um, I believe, is Corey Seeger. And he has gotten hot, it looks like, at the right time. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. I guess Christian Walker had a double. That's probably, uh, we talked about it the other night in our um, uh, well-remembered but unfortunately lost segment uh, where you were looking at, uh, I think you mentioned Cattell, who's still been very good and uh has he, has he gotten a hit tonight? i, I haven't look, even looked i was looking at kevin lowe getting a couple of hits and uh we'll see we'll see how those two wind up doing your what was you yeah. what were you
0: gonna say i was gonna say you mentioned Catal Marte. has he gotten a hit he's got his hit streak going right now uh what was it 18 games he's at now he's got the all-time major league record for uh postseason hit streak um but I didn't see if he got a hit. I know in his first at bat he did not. Uh, he got a walk, but I'm not sure. I, I had to run outside and, and do some stuff outside, so I've missed a couple innings. I missed all three runs, actually, so I missed the Seager homer and everything like that. Um, but I was going to check and see if he had gotten a Tell
1: Marte hit. is 0-for-1 with the base
0: on, on balls. Okay, there you go. So we'll keep an eye on that throughout the rest of the game and see if he can keep it going.
1: And Longo is in the uh, uh Longo is in the eight hole as always, and he is playing third base. Tommy Fam is the DH tonight.
0: Okay. Interesting. They don't have him in the field. Uh,
1: well, they've got uh Carroll and right, Thomas
0: in center, and uh Lourdes out and left. Yeah, that's a, that's a better Defensive outfield for sure. Actually,
1: I mean, if if I'm uh, Tori Lavallo, I'm I'm penciling Alex Thomason center field 162 times. I agree, and taking whatever I get offensively from him. Although he's been good, he's at a yeah, he's at an 851 too. uh in, On in the yeah. short short series so far, but, um,
0: yeah. Uh, Yeah. He's been good. Uh, one thing I want to do get on, uh, on the record and everything, we were kind of talking about it before, uh, we hit record and everything. Um, we were talking about, you know, these hot bats right now, Seager being one, uh, Christian Walker, not there yet, but if he keeps, hitting you and know, we had the single at the end of the game uh, game two hit a double off the wall earlier in this game so he's heating up a little bit it'll be interesting to see if he can keep that going and get hot uh, so but otherwise Corey seager um and then uh Ketel Marte, tell although he has a little bit less pop uh but some of these guys adolis garcia and we were talking about you know why are you even giving them anything to hit at all particularly in Um, high leverage of bats and everything too late in games. Um, You want to talk a little bit on that too, just to kind of get that on the record? Hope you're muted. I'm sorry.
1: I thought I hit the mute off. I was saying you caught me with my (laughs) mouth full. Sorry about that. It's all good. Sorry to the editor. This is how I feel. In a short series, I mean, it's not short when it's seven games. Look at that play. That's just good defense. Mm-hmm. Mr. That's Young great. is a He's an enigma He's the kind of guy who Would Would drive me insane If he was on my favorite team Yeah But he's not lacking talent I can see him being a A very solid major league player For a long time I could also see him being a guy That strikes out 150 times a year Hits 25 bombs But Defense travels Right and that kid can pick it, and he's got a cannon. Um, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff by John Gray in the nimble defense. The but um, yeah. back to my, my, my philosophy on this is that when you're in a series like this and by game three now, you're really starting to get to know the other team. You know the, you're the only two teams that everybody in the world's watching. You're, there's more coverage than there ever is on any of your other games. So obviously you know everything you need to know. I'm not letting Corey Seeger or Adolis Garcia beat me on the Rangers. I'm not letting Corbin Carroll or Cattell Marte beat me on the Diamondbacks, it's got to be the other seven guys, right? You know? Yeah. I mean, Simi— Unless you're putting you know, in a
0: pinch and you have to pitch to them, like if bases are loaded or something like that.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, there's—you know, the, the baseball rules still hold. I mean, if there's—if it's sound strategy, and I'm not saying you just—they just get up there and you— you know, it's not Barry Bonds 2003. You just don't walk them. Every single time, however, you don't give him anything to hit, and that's what happened with the Corey Seager, and I mean, the ball just got away, it was just a, you know, a pitch that Fott would like to have back, but, you know, that you just have to be very, very intentional with those guys. And they're still going to maybe do a little bit of damage, but I want them to do damage around the margins. I want to, if Garcia comes up with the bases open, then he's getting, you know, he might get a a high fastball to see what he, you know, see if he can go up and get it like he thinks he always can. You know, he might, I might, I might start him off with a changeup right down central. That's risky, but I've seen it. Effective, I've seen it thrown for a strike against him because, you know, he's so amped and he's so ready to just lose a 96 mile an hour fastball that, you know, sometimes you can get a little lucky, you know, you throw him a change at 82 and he just gets out in front of it. And, you know, he might, he might break the, 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 the sidewall there uh, down by the, the, uh, the guy who sits, the kid that sits out there with the uniform on and shags the ball. But, the ball boy, yeah. Yeah, ball, boy. yeah. I guess ball boy is what they're called, the ball person. <laughs> um, yes. But, uh, but, yeah, so that's that's my philosophy. Uh, same thing with Seeger. And, you know, they're close enough in the order that you have to be cognizant of that. You can't, like, if Seeger's leading off, you can't just immediately put him on Because then you're going to be in a world of hurt when you're facing Garcia, right? And so that has to be taken into consideration. But it very much needs to be a strategy of I'm not trying to show, you know, how tough I am or how good I am or anything. I'm trying to win a baseball game. So if I got to put that guy on four times, I mean, Seeger, the Orioles walked him five times in a game, I believe. And, you know, now Houston didn't take the same approach and both those teams went home. Houston hung around a little bit longer, but that's only because Texas can't win at home until game one at the bottom of the ninth. So I and I feel the same way with, you know, with Marte, it's probably a little less obvious because he doesn't really hit the long ball. But when he gets on, and then you got, you know, hitters coming up behind him that theoretically are going to be able to do damage, Uh, you know, sometimes they struggle. I don't know about Marino in the three-hole. I probably would have never done that, but he's been doing it the whole whole postseason or most of it, so I'm like, well, you know, there's a reason I'm sitting in my house watching the game on tv and tory lovell is you know in the dugout of the diamondbacks so i get that part but but who would
0: you put there say again i say who would you put there that's the hard part with the the d-backs lineup is like yeah they're hot and everything right now but you look at it and you're like who's a who's a three-hole hitter otherwise
1: yeah that's tough I mean they're if you look at their lineup on paper they don't belong in this series. You know, they're not they're not offensively they cannot compare to the Rangers. Yeah. But they like I said earlier if they can get two singles in an inning I like their odds to get a run.
0: Yeah, the way they run the bases is incredibly exciting.
1: Yeah, the way they play I mean I don't know what percentage of their singles uh, move the man from first to third, but yeah. I bet it's the highest in the game or among the top two or three
0: uh, I need to yeah. I need to do a little stats review because I know there are stats on that um, that you can look up and I've I've got to figure out. All that stuff, because that, that kind of stuff is really interesting. And <clears throat> in the offseason, we'll get into that as far as the Cardinals and everything go in terms of the kind of players that we want to have, the roster we want to build, the kind of style of baseball we want to play, because it sounds like from what Mo had been saying in previous uh, interviews is that you know we're going to be mixing it up. We're not going to be doing the same thing we've always been trying to do, because clearly that's not working, which is good. It's refreshing to hear. Um, at least from that perspective, as far as heading into next year, knowing that it's not just going to be the same old, same old. But uh, that'll be interesting to talk about. Uh, I think with- we're
1: pretty certain on, what, six of our eight position player starters. Um, and given that, you know, we it's it's kind of incumbent in my mind upon the manager and the general manager and the president of baseball operations, whatever you want to call them, to um uh you know to fashion a squad that takes advantage of those those guys. Uh obviously your backups, you know, I mean it's gonna be Contreras, Goldie, Arenado, probably Tommy Edmund in some role, probably Newt Bar in most likely center or right. Um you know, and then who did I forget in that group? I, mean, I know I'm forgetting. At least I'm probably forgetting. Oh, and then Jordan Walker and probably yeah, Nolan Gorman. So if those are, you got a lot of you guys. Know, six or seven of your eight or nine guys. You know, if you figure Gorman is a DH more nights than not, Goldie, as he gets older, is going to DH sometimes. Uh, you know, that kind of thing, then you're looking at two guys, but two important guys. You know, like if you're looking at a starting left fielder, for example, are you looking for power and just, you know, average to maybe even a little bit below average defense? Or are you looking for, uh, you know, solid defense, good arm, and, you know, maybe a, a, a singles-doubles hitter that can run a little bit because we don't have a lot of speed right now. And if the running game is going to become more prominent, you're going to want that with your bench and your, you know, your secondary players, if you
0: will. I mean, Tommy can run. Tommy can run. Mason Wynn will get a fair number of starts, which I've seen some things people talking about how much he struggled <laughs> This past year, it's like I, I really don't put a whole lot into that. It was the end of last season when he got the majority of his at bats.
1: Yeah, on a, essentially, on a pathetic team that was trying games. to yeah. avoid setting records for themselves, and I don't think they necessarily In did. The I, mean, I think they, they were horrible. So,
0: yeah, he's going to be fine. Uh, but he he's going to be able to run, like you said, Tommy will run. Uh, Brennan Donovan, not as much. I don't feel like, I mean, he can, but he's not a speedster by any means. Jordan Walker can steal some bags, but he's not going to put together anything massive. So, yeah, I mean, I truly, I do think, um, that the game that the Diamondbacks are playing is kind of the future of the sport. And I remember talking to, um, Talking to Frank about this, and obviously not everybody knows who Frank is. Uh, but I was talking to him about this a couple years ago, and like, you're referring to?" Yes. Uh, so I was talking to him, and, and uh, a couple of years ago, I want to say, about just kind of the potential of uh, the baseball uh, as a sport, kind of going the route of you know uh, the Warriors, you know, circa what eight years ago, something like that, when they kind of 2014, went small.
1: 2015. Yep. Yeah.
0: Did something different than the rest of the league and kind of reinvented how the the, the approach or strategy uh, kind of goes. And so I could see that really happening now with baseball. And if we're going to go that route, then you kind of have to commit to it because I feel like it is with these new rule changes, especially moving away from the OBP slugging approach of, like, Joey Joey Gallo, Reese Hoskins, where basically, you know, 3-2 outcomes, but you're either going to walk to get on base or you're going to hit a double or a home run, and that's about it. And there's no speed to it. There's some defense, not a whole lot, but base running's probably not incredible. Um, and one of the things that I've always kind of despised about that approach uh, is the fact that, yeah, sure, you can look at numbers and you can look at, you know, on-base percentage and OPS and all of that, but those are isolated numbers to an individual player. And that is not, you can't just look solely at that to see, uh, to determine if a team is going to win a game because a walk is not going to move a runner. A walk is not going to score a runner from third like a ground out will. So those are the kind of things that I think are those like marginal wins that add up to real wins on your record at the end of the year, get you into the playoffs, move you on in the playoffs. So I think those are the kind of things that maybe teams are starting to look at now. Uh,
1: And and hopefully the Cardinals are the same. A beautifully played baseball game is is like a symphony right
0: it's yes. not
1: a it's not a string quartet it's not you know uh, a little jazz ensemble it's a symphony you've got the big boys the big boppers the big drums and then you've got you know the flutes and the the other you know the oboes or whatever and all the other small instruments um And so you need power and speed. You need, you know, now every pitcher feels like can hit, uh, can throw 100. But we've been watching guys get guys out in these playoffs, throwing the ball in the 80s consistently. You know, topping out at uh, uh, Merrill Kelly the other day, throwing – 10 out of 12 balls for strikes all between 91 and 93 miles an hour and guys just shaking their heads and walking back to the dugout. Ginkles, the way Ginkles ball, I mean, they do it, oh, that was nasty. Uh, Castro just threw a pitch that oh man, it looked like it was swerving to miss a deer on the highway. Uh, But yeah, so the the
0: that's a Midwest reference. If I've ever heard one,
1: (laughs) the uh, whole purpose of the game is to score more runs than the other team. So I can see how you fall in love with the long ball because that's a guaranteed one. Plus you get one more for everybody that's on base. We all know how that works. Um, I can see why it's important to have a good on base percentage because you got to be on to score. All those things make sense. But we've watched the Diamondbacks in the first two games, I think, did three or four sacrifice bunts. Yeah. Um, Which, when I was growing up, or when I was in my 20s, uh, I was a huge fan of, uh, you know, of Whitey Ball here in St. Louis, Whitey Herzog, the... uh, you know, beloved manager of the Cardinals in the eighties, who we went to three World Series. Unfortunately, only won one. But uh, we ran and we hit singles and doubles. We played on that nasty concrete and oh. carpet that was probably about a you know sixteenth of an inch thick. Um, and we the had the best the fielding 80s. shortstop, yeah. arguably of all time. And, you know, so you put that whole package together, you have to, all those things are factors. You have to put a team together that fits your ballpark. We've talked about on previous pods, you and I have discussed how, you know, major, uh, one of the things that makes baseball great, unlike really all the other major sports, is that the field is not uniform. Uh, so much so that the real nerds try to try to come up with a stat. You know, they call it park effect or whatever. Yeah, park effect. It's factor. kind of it's kind of a chuckle. I'm like, well, I guess that depends if you hit it. You know, in that little nook there. In uh, left in Houston, or if you just hit the ball in, you know, out of the park in right field, that the ball doesn't get out of in, you know, twenty eight of the other parks, save for Yankee Stadium. So, uh, it's it's what makes the game beautiful. And we're looking at two teams with fairly different approaches. I, if we could spend a few minutes talking about the pitching. Yeah. I, I felt love it. bad, felt bad for Zach down in game one. Cause he just couldn't find it. Right. Actually I think once he started going with his secondary pitches in like the third and fourth, uh, he was better. And I think he wound, didn't he wind up getting through five? I think he threw like 99 pitches to, to get through five innings. And was he, did he give up four total? Cause he gave up three in the first. I forget. How, it's amazing how quickly I can forget the details <laughs> of the baseball game.
0: Yeah. He got through five, three earned, uh, yeah. five Ks on 99 pitches. Yeah.
1: So, you know, that I felt bad for him because he didn't have his best stuff. So he wasn't just dominant. Uh, but n- neither was Ivaldi, as a matter of fact, uh, when no. when he went out of the game, that's Arizona had the lead, four, three. So uh, it was pretty interesting that it it developed that way in game one. The starters who theoretically are the two aces uh, did not pitch uh, particularly well. And uh, it was kind of the opposite, well, certainly the opposite for Merrill Kelly. Uh, Monty struggled more like Zach Gallen did, but Monty also wound up going, I think he completed four might even have got, yeah, I think it was
0: only four. No, he, he went six. Uh, say again. He went six Four and he did go six. Okay. He so I was going to say it, but then I, for
1: some reason I, I didn't trust myself. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so there's another case where both pitchers, both starters, uh, got deep into the game. I mean, in the case of uh, who was it? Mitch Garver got that one off Kelly, and that was the only, really the only blemish on his whole record. Uh, he was he was really dominant in game two. And then, of course, the bats came alive, and it was Katie Barr the door. kind of kind of the 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 prime example of what everybody thought the Texas bullpen was and why they really didn't have a shot to make it this far as well. Um, so that kind of reverted a little bit to what folks thought the form was in game two. But the uh, the Diamondbacks' bullpen pretty darn good. Now, we're sitting here 1-1, and they're down 3-0 in the uh this is this is the inning they need to do some damage against Gray if they can. We're it's bottom six now, uh 12 outs to go. So they 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 need to and they're leading off with their number nine man, uh Mr. Geraldo Perdomo, who I just love. Uh, but not not gonna threaten for any batting titles anytime soon. Uh but anyway, the uh the Diamondbacks bullpen is, you know, pretty markedly better than the Rangers bullpen.
0: Yeah, which
1: I think puts a little more pressure on Texas's starters. And uh, unfortunate, what happened with Scherzer, and so this this win is is kind of a it feels a little bit like a must win for Texas. And I think if they get it. Then I don't, I feel pretty good about Arizona tomorrow. And are we on a 2 3 2 or a 2 2 1 1 1 in terms of hope
0: uh, where they play? That's a really good question. Let me, uh, I'll pull it up here. You keep talking, I'll pull it up.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, the point is, is regardless, I expect the series to be 2 2 after tomorrow's game. And I expect the uh, – so which, Two, which of course, tiers, then makes the it a three-game uh, – best of three. And I think it's – I think this – the whole series may come down to Arizona's bullpen being just a little bit better mm-hmm. than Texas's. I love – when they're right, there's a lot of movement and they stay down in the zone. And you know the best hitters. We saw it with uh, Alvarez. You know, uh, less a little bit less so Schwartz, Schwarber or Harper. But we've seen the good hitters all throughout the postseason. You know, hit almost any pitch thrown almost anywhere, uh, and that's always going to be a risk. But you know, baseball is a game of failure. And as a pitcher, you just have to assist the batter with their next failure. Um, is kind of the way I see that. And uh, so I feel if I was a Diamondbacks fan, I'd feel really good about it. Other than the teal color of their numbers, I don't have a complaint about them. What about you?
0: <laughs> You're not a fan of those?
1: No, I'm not a big fan of teal on baseball uniforms. I get it. You know, it's a little more modern look, but
0: yeah, not yeah. feeling. it. You're a traditionalist. It's all good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't hide. I don't hide from it. What do you think oh, of, the, of the pitching, and what do you think of the pitching staffs?
0: Yeah, so uh, uh, did you see that with Cattell, by the way, as well? I assume they're going to give him a hit for that. Right off of Simeon's glove, real hot shot.
1: Oh, you're way ahead of me. I didn't. I thought you were behind me. You're way ahead of me yeah that's a hit Out every time yeah I mean, if Marcus <clears throat> was three inches taller, I'd probably give him an error <laughs> yeah
0: yeah um yeah pitching staffs um man, I don't know i really when you were talking about uh Monty and his uh pitching performance honestly really gutsy to get through six you could tell watching it he just didn't have his best stuff um you can just tell he's a gamer and it just makes me sad that uh we couldn't do anything with our season this year because he would have been phenomenal for us in the postseason you could just tell how bad he wants it there's like just those guys that show up and i think he's just one of those same with merrill kelly uh, after going to korea and kind of honing his craft there i saw something he didn't even get his first start in the big leagues until he was 30 so i mean the guy who definitely paid his dues um well and everybody told men- me what mentally goodness, tough
1: so. that's it's yeah. always great seeing those guys
0: here let me pause real quick i gotta run up and get the girls
1: oh go ahead take your time
0: Yeah, they're just having a tough time going to sleep tonight. So I may have to run up there again. I'm going to give her a few minutes.
1: They were cute as a button over at Joe's house.
0: I know. They're adorable.
1: And then they get their cousin in there with them. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just a Watch joy. Watch out. Just a joy. So anyway, you were. I think we were talking about pitching. pictures. And I think you were making a couple of points when
0: we stopped. Yeah, I think I was had talking about Monty. To
1: say about that? Excuse me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So sorry, I'm going to edit some of that out. But sorry, I had to cut that for a minute. Uh, had to run upstairs and check on our, uh, our little girls upstairs. Uh, hopefully, they're going to be sleeping a little bit here in a bit. Uh, but yes, we were talking about pitching. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. Feel good about Monty and what he's been doing. Um, it's been all about the starting pitching in this series, and I feel like with the Rangers, a little more cause concern, cause for concern, particularly during this game with what's happened with Scherzer, because you kind of, in a way, just bank on him being able to provide something for you in this World Series. Uh, you know, those first few starts that he made in the postseason after coming back from his injury you equate to basically some rehab starts but just doing it in actual games because you can't do any rehab games Um, and so you're kind of expecting him to essentially be back nearly just fully at this point Um, but he was not looking like it they Mm -hmm. were reporting that he had uh, a cut on his finger just under his nail or just below his nail um, that apparently has been giving him some issues he's been using some super glue and stuff to try to give him some kind of protection on it but it does, definitely doesn't look like he has it right now and I, I think if you're the Rangers you're particularly concerned about that given that essentially that's your uh, starters down to Monty and the and um, with Scherzer and DeGrom two of your your big guns um uh, totally out right now and i don't know what else you're really going to get now it looked like you know john gray out there had a really solid outing i don't think he he didn't give up any runs of course but i don't even know if he gave up any hits so um yeah you missed the
1: discussion on the broadcast uh okay. was just losing it uh, Talking about how difficult it is to do what John Gray has done now twice in this World Series. Uh yeah, it three, three scoreless today, which combined with Scherzers, is the reason we're in the seventh inning with uh you know, with no no runs allowed and spores just got the first out of the inning. So now we're down to uh eight outs for the for the Diamondbacks Uh-oh. to do
0: something, or we're going to have a 2-1 series here. You said you were behind me. Just prepare yourself.
1: Oh, okay. I'm ready for a 2-1. I'm ready for Tommy Pham. Oh, off the wall, huh? I like it. So that's a stand-up double. There we go. little right center.
0: Stay you know, through I, the ball. Did Love I knock that.
1: it out alive? No, I didn't I didn't. I guess I guess I was behind you the whole time. Anyway, yeah, so so the pitching staffs are gonna be key. Uh what about benches? Anybody off of either bench that's been particularly impressive to you? I don't I don't feel like there are starters per se on the bench, if that makes sense. No. I mean obviously you've got the Rivera question with Longo but even at his advanced age I mean Longoria has been a solid plus hitter and a solid defender uh, his entire career so even though he's kind of at the end of the road I still think I prefer him in there what do you think about that
0: yeah, I think, I think you have to have Longo in there. I mean, the production might be similar, but with his experience and also his just like off the field, I guess you would call, or the intangible leadership that he has, yeah, he has to start. There's just no question in my mind um, as far as that goes. As far as the uh, reserve guys or those kind of things, I think Rivera's got to be... The best on either team. I was trying to look just to see if I'm missing anybody because there hasn't been a whole lot of movement outside of the starters for either side. Uh, but I feel like Rivera has been pretty good uh, this postseason, and I've been impressed with his at bats that he's been taking and stuff. So uh, yeah, the
1: only other thing that we've seen is if they, you know, I've there's been at least one game. And it might have been, I think it was game six or five of the uh, AL or of the uh, NLCS, where they um, where they started. Rivera had Longoria um, bat DH, and then they had Tommy Pham and Wright with Carroll in center and Thomas on the bench. I already told you earlier how I feel about that, and yeah, I agree um, with you. Alec Thomas up there right now, one and two. This guy Spores is tough. He's a good pitcher, and he's efficient as hell. He's thrown two pitch- 10 pitches, got two outs, gave up the the ball to Fam, but uh, this is this is where teams win or lose a series. He gets a hit here. And, you know, they got a shot. Um,
0: mm-hmm. if they Maybe go something unravels here, with spores tough, a little bit. You know I
1: mean, you could score three runs any inning, but I'd bet on Texas to do it before I would Arizona.
0: Yeah, you got to chip away. Get them when you can. Exactly That's, right. Oh. Get out. Um, yeah, one question that I have for you. Uh, what was your thought? on or what is your general thoughts I guess about watching this postseason and what that means as far as roster construction for the Cardinals next year um in terms of depth, uh the kind of players that you feel like you need to have, you know, after watching another postseason. Um so what kind of players for the postseason versus players for the regular season to get through 162. So, what kind of things have you picked up on as far as that? If if anything, as far as kind of what what to look for in the off season as far as players go. Well,
1: that's. I mean, I don't think we've had a better. I guess Spores. I don't know what happened to him, but they're checking him out now. Um, the, yeah. uh That's a great point, and what a better you know what better postseason to kind of opine about regular season constructed teams versus playoff teams. Uh, when you, when the Dodgers, the Braves and the Orioles who had the best record in the AL uh, win exactly zero playoff, or I'm sorry, one playoff game between them. That's pretty rough. And so what have we learned? Well, well, Youth is awesome, and it always has been. I, I, I don't have any statistics in front of me, but I would venture to guess that teams in a World Series that start at least one rookie and maybe even two uh, probably win more than, more than they lose. I believe that and it's not necessarily that the rookie you know or you know it's not like a Corbin Carroll situation where the rookie is arguably the best player on the team or you know top two or three Um, it's it's just the fact that I just think there's there's a, a reality to the the freshness of the young player that You know, a team like the Phillies couldn't tap into. Um, The Braves, you know, didn't really have, at least this year, that kind of a rookie. Um, And the Dodgers as well. Did the Dodgers have any of their stars as a rookie? I don't think so.
0: Maybe an outfielder. Yeah, a lot of their, well, in their pitching staff, they had a lot of Young pitchers that kind of came in and out of the rotation, that kind of a thing. But uh, they didn't have a lot of youth in their lineup. <clears throat> and that's, Gavin Lux was hurt. I think the whole year.
1: That's my next huge point, or I think that we've learned is it's great to have. I mean, if you could be the, you know, the seventy-one Orioles and have four twenty-game winners, that's one thing. Everybody wants that. I think it was a 71 team. Everybody wants that. Um, but, in fact, you have to have two plus pitchers. And, you know, ones or twos. I mean, I don't think Jordan Montgomery, no matter what you say, is an ace. I think he's a solid, you know, high-level two And, um, you know, I mean, on a lot of teams, like on the Cardinals this year, he was obviously our best pitcher. Um, But, you know, if he's going to be the ace of your staff, you're probably not a playoff team or you're probably not going to go a long way in the playoffs. And he wasn't the ace of the Texas staff. And for that matter, neither was uh, Elvaldi. I mean, it was Scherz. Well, it was Degrom, and then Scherz. Degrom pitched for a good part of the season, right?
0: Yeah, I'd have to look back and see how long uh, and like how many starts he got.
1: I want to say, it was uh, but I don't think why, it was for but maybe that it long. Was earlier, I could be wrong on that.
0: Um, yeah. So, like this year, he got. Yeah, he only pitched thirty innings, thirty and a third.
1: Okay, so he was out. In April, uh, probably. And unless he, you know, didn't start until later in the year. But anyway, the point of the matter is you got to have two studs. And if you have that, you might be able to put the rest of it together. Uh, this is for the playoffs. Now, obviously, in the regular season, it's nice to have the, you know, on-paper advantage every every start. You know, where you, you feel better mm-hmm. about your starter than the opponent. And then, of course, this has been true for 50 years, maybe. You need a guy that in the ninth inning, he's getting the ball no matter what. And, you know, 15, 19 times out of 20 or Twenty-nine times out of thirty, whatever the 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 right stat is, they're coming through. You know, every every pitcher is gonna is gonna, you know, get got as they say, occasionally. But, I mean, think about all the all the closers from all the like the Cardinals closers over the years whether it was Izzy or Rosenthal or, you know, whoever. Um, same thing with every other, you know, I mean, obviously Rivera and the Yankees and just, uh, I mean, John Smoltz for that reason, for that uh, matter, had a nice run. Um, but the closer is the key. And if you can, nowadays, it's really the setup man in the closer. You really need to. So, you need two studs at the top of the rotation and then two studs at the back of the bullpen. If you can.
0: Which I feel like Mo was thinking that was going to be Hicks and Helsley if all things went to plan.
1: Well, and now you're starting to get into the weeds and one of my chief criticisms of the Cardinals, which is yes, guys get better yes, guys recover from injury. But while they're out, they're out. And it's not about placeholders. It's about finding the next guy, right? It's about saying, okay, you know, Jordan Hicks is either out or maybe never, oh, look at that beautiful man there. He looks good in his suit, got his Cardinal red tie on. You got to love him. Uh, and look at young Aaron Judge. What a Oh, look at the old man. He
0: looks good too. Wow. We got some stars in the house tonight. Um he could still charge out of the dugout over to home plate. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, a little vigor.
1: But anyway, the uh you know, regular season teams tend to dominate because they just have such talent. And that's what happened with the teams we talk, I talked about at the beginning of this little conversation about postseason, regular season. Those same teams may or may not – I mean, there's nothing wrong with having the most talent and then playing the best in the postseason. Those are the teams that, you know, that win World Series four to none, you know, four games to none, um, you know, that set all kinds of records – That kind of stuff, but the facts are, the team that gets hot, and it's been proven. And I don't know if it's more variance because there's more teams that get in, or it's just the nature of the modern game. But you know, I was I was thinking about this. You know, back in in my youth, uh, pitchers took a lot of pride in pitching complete games and, you know, racking up. 220 230 250 innings in a season and that just doesn't happen anymore and so you know who we think are the best pitchers is that just a function of the way they're used Uh you know so was were gibson and drysdale and guys like that the best pitchers in the league oh look at garcia that's not good um, pulled in the bleak maybe Yeah, maybe he's feeling it though um, That could that could have an impact on the rest of the series But, uh, yeah. you know, is were those guys the best pitchers in the league Because they were just blessed with that ability to You know, to go out and throw 100 pitches every five days And go into the eighth inning or later And, you know, the preponderance of their starts Or... You know, was it just that they really were that good? I mean, you know, obviously as a romanticist and as a as a traditionalist, I like to hope it was just because they were that good. But were there guys back then who were good for, you know, could give you six every time out, but couldn't do anything third time through the order. And so they wind up having, you know, five ERAs in their career as opposed to the three they would have had, if they if they were used the way we use starters today. Yeah, and you know, and so I don't know that answer. Or or there are there guys pitching now that you know if we would just if their managers and their pitching coaches had the. You know, believed in the in the ability of a guy to throw and get into the eighth consistently uh, would resist that temptation to bring that guy in in the sixth because he throws 100 miles an hour and hopefully doesn't walk the bases loaded. Which you know, your lesser secondary relief pitchers can lose you a lot of ball games and. Uh, I think it's very, uh, you know, I'm always interested in a manager's bullpen strategy. I think it makes or breaks a lot of managers' careers. Uh, I think the guy that we've had for the last two years is terrible at managing the bullpen. And I think it's shown and it's hurt us a lot. Um, and I think you're looking at two guys in the World Series that are, I mean, Bochy's le- legendary and it looks like Lavello's and. And uh, his coach, who's at Strom, is that is is it Brett Strom or is he with the uh, Rangers? Brent,
0: no, he's Brent Strom. Mad
1: Dogs with the. Uh,
0: he used to be. Yeah. Maddox with the Rangers. Brent Strom really like, uh, I shouldn't say came to prominence. He's been in baseball a long time, but um, my guess, most famously, he was with the Astros previously, with Verlander and Cole, and he was, I think, very instrumental um, in basically. Making Cole into—I don't want to take anything away from Garrett Cole, though, either. But helping make Garrett Cole who he became as a pitcher from Pittsburgh, and then after he went to Houston, yeah.
1: No, agree. And so, anyway, those are—that's kind of an overarching thought about. And so, when you look at where we sit today, I think it becomes pretty clear. We talked about before the end of the season. We actually went through some of the names. And we need two top-of-the-rotation starters, plain and simple. We don't have them. They don't exist really at any level of the organization, okay? So if that's the case, that has to be our main priority. We have to establish uh, the ninth inning. Is that Helsley? If so, can we count on his health? What's the backup when he is hurt, you know, which invariably seems to happen to a lot of these young pitchers. And, you know, maybe there's a guy uh, like Devin Williams was with Josh Hader a few years ago in Milwaukee. If we could find a guy or establish a guy. What I, I mean, in my perfect world, we'd find somebody better and more reliable than Helsley. And put Helsley in the eighth inning. That's what I would do. And then figure out the rest, obviously. Um, And we got a couple other guys that have been solid, you know, that can do the job and probably deserve to, you know, continue here. Um, But, yeah, so we need those two things. And then from from an offensive perspective, you know, again, it's – it's guys that you trust. It's guys that, and it's it's so much less definable. I mean, obviously, you can go with the numbers. But when you see Kyle Schwarber come to the plate in the postseason, he's a different base. I mean, a guy hit a, what did he hit? 197? Now, granted, he had the 40 homers and the 100 RBIs or almost 100 RBIs, whatever it was. But he hit under 200. 200. That's putrid, but in the who are you more afraid of in the postseason? I mean other than Alvarez, maybe Harper, I don't know uh was there any hitter you were more afraid of in the postseason this year and really for the last two years?
0: Probably not. I mean, this year, Adellise Garcia has a little something to say about that, but
1: i I just think you have to it has to flow as a team. It can't feel like nine guys coming up for their shot. Um, some teams that like to rely on the long ball too much, it really feels that way. And then teams like the Cardinals that don't seem to have a great unified philosophy or strategy, it can feel that yeah, way Yeah, no identity. You know, give me three base runners in a row. I don't care if they're doubles, singles, home runs. You, Mick, you decide them. I'll take three singles. I'm fine with that. And sometimes that just means the base is loaded for the Cardinals. You know, if we're not, if we got Goldie out front or, you know, one of our slower runners. So that's fine. I don't know. What do you think about, I mean, what's, watching the postseason, has that changed or has it helped solidify for you what you want to see with this with our approach in the off season.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it takes me back to, I mean, initially let's talk about pitching, 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 pitching as Mo likes to say. Uh, But I think it just uh, solidified kind of what the conversation has been with the Cardinals and their pitching staff since spring training. I mean, it goes back into previous years too, but for this past year, all the way back into spring training, uh, when Mo said, you know, we've got six starters and kind of took that approach with it. And ultimately I think it, uh, this is just my perspective. I think it comes down to Mo being so afraid to make a mistake and let the wrong guy go after getting so much backlash from a Rosarena and, um, the Gallon and Sandy Alcantara uh, trade for Ozuna. Uh, those kind of things. He's, I, f- I get the sense that he's so afraid of making a mistake and letting the wrong guy go that he just took the strategy of, well, we'll just try to sell it that we have six starters and all of them are worthy of being in the majors and that'll be good. Obviously, that didn't pan out this year. Now, it could have i mean say we ended up being an 85 win team something like that and we barely make the playoffs but then we lose in the ds or something like that because we don't have those top tier pitching or pitchers at the top of the rotation to really go out and dominate postseason games so i mean that very easily could have happened still even with what we had as far as pitching went um so I think that just reinforces even more the fact that we need top tier pitchers at the top. And honestly, I think this goes back to what we talked about in those episodes, talking about the the names of the pitchers that we be, would look at and everything. Is honestly, when it came down to putting together a rotation, I honestly don't really care who you put at number five, and you rotate rotate a bunch of guys from the minors, uh, you know, that are kind of on the verge, you know. Bring up a Grassefo if you want to throw Jake Woodford out there again for a little bit and you know, who cares? I don't just Zach Thompson, throw him out there for some starts and just kind of make it a revolving door for the number five spot because ultimately that's that's your depth of your organization. Because at the end of the day, what it's about is winning a World Series. And those guys, no offense to those guys because they do matter. But those are the guys those are not the guys that are gonna win you a World Series. Get down, baby.
1: Um sorry not interrupt.
0: There you go. There's First a run, run on the, the no, you're all right. Yeah, they're on the board. Yeah. Watch out, they got a little something cooking. Against the as Chapman, no less. Um, the only guy that's been
1: able so to yeah, solve. So yeah, I think it
0: just reinforces that. Or
1: that everybody's been able to yeah. solve, I should say.
0: Great job getting your hands inside and muscling that out. Yep. Perdomo. I love I that. Love this kid. Um, I love him. I know he's a good ball player. So yeah, it just reinforces that fact to me, um, and how that approach that we had this past year just—it was a—it just, was, was just a PR nightmare, and just everyone could see right through it. But I do think as well, I feel like there is a general sentiment with the Cardinals fans uh, potentially that like we don't always think about just the postseason and just winning a World Series and, and what that looks like as far as being in the postseason and what you need. And I think we do we we do get very caught up in the minutiae of everything that may not matter as much in the middle of a season or something like that. Um, or like who's going to be our number five starter? Because honestly, like I said, I don't care. You just put whoever in there to kind of fill, and that's going to be your depth piece. Um, so that's one of the biggest things that I've kind of noticed from a position player perspective, and, and I guess it really goes for all the players, but um, kind of what I was going back to talking about Monty and just going out there, and you could just tell how bad he wants it. I would a 1,000% rather have Monty out there than I'm trying to think of a name um, I feel like there's just some guys that yeah that like some guys that just want it more and they have that competitive edge that other guys may not have and those other guys that may not have it they may be more talented they may be better pitchers and when you look at a whole entire season and you look at their numbers and those kind of things but when it comes to the postseason I want guys that want it more i want i want the david freeze kind of player that's got ice in their veins and is going to come up when the moment calls for it a david Eckstein that's a ball player he doesn't care you know he'll hit you know 245 on the season or whatever the case was Doesn't, uh, doesn't matter he hit better than that probably but
1: um well that's why everybody's in love with this kid corbin Carroll, who's at bat right now i mean he yeah uh he's a game one pod that we like listening to they just the one guy just hates how bad of an interview he is almost like that's part of the package <laughs> which not for nothing it kind of a little bit is I i actually kind of feel a little bit for that guy's attitude but it's hard like in the case of monty I mean, I don't know him. You don't know him. We can only see what we can see with our eyes and what is important to us. And I don't know who the guys are that don't want it. But I can tell you a guy like Jack Flaherty, who we've tried to give, we tried to give him every uh, benefit of the doubt. And we were even kind of hoping for good things for him. Well, he goes to Baltimore and he can't get anybody out. I think he had one really good start and everything else was below average to the point where they thought they had something for the playoffs and it turned out that was not the case. So I, I'm i ready to, to to take everything you just said and apply just a little something to it. And this is going to get beyond – you know, there are no stats for this other than the most important stat, which is wins and losses. Oh, Corbin, that was ugly, bro. Just buckled Um, in. But anyway, um, at the end of the day, it's the people that are charged with making decisions – that have to have their finger on the pulse all those things right and right. i mean i don't I, I just think the sample size is big enough uh ali barmal is not and i i know oh that's he was safe check that i think check he that, i think Bruce. he beat uh, that yeah that's
0: real close That's
1: not nobody's Tory. arguing Son of a biscuit eater. Nice play, Corey. He's so good. Oh,
0: that's real um, close.
1: And Simeon with a quick turn, too. Oh, mm-hmm. tie goes to the runner. Yeah, has been think, a couple times this, this I playoffs think, uh, where I'm like, what happened to the old tie goes to the runner, you know, uh, <laughs> idiom or axiom? Yeah. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so – I think the first thing that Mo needs to do is either resign or fire Marmol, or both. Um, and, you know, people kind of laugh at that or people are like, oh, get off of Mo. He's had a great and he has had a great run. I'm not I would never take away all the things, all the good he's done. Yeah, he's made plenty of mistakes. But, you know, if you do his job for 20 years plus, you're going to make plenty of mistakes. That's a fact. Um, but I just feel like we missed, I don't know what, you know, we'll never know all the details of what happened with Shill. Uh, but the fact of the matter was the guy was pretty effective, was a baseball lifer and, uh, I thought was pretty good at his job. So, Fine, for whatever reason you don't agree, you have the ability to make that call, John Mozalek, or you know, Bill DeWitt or whoever it was. But if you're gonna do that, don't try to sell me, just like don't sell me we have six starters when three of them have been hurt most of their career, one of them's 150 years old, and the other two are solid, but they're you know that's all they are is solid, and I'm talking about right. uh, you know Miles and Monty at least as we're coming into the season. Uh, so, I mean, again, I can't. It's 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 not the same as when you say, well, you know, uh, lock in Mason, Man, Mason Wynn Mason win as our starting shortstop for the next twelve years or whatever. You know, that's, I mean, I, that's easy to say as a fan. It's it's also easy to say, fire Ollie, just out of hand. And, and I don't think that's fair. However, I think we have enough information that a lot of people's initial instinct, and it was, there wasn't much love ever for him. And now it's almost like it's just, you know, arrogance, belligerence, whatever you want to call it on most part where he's like, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to get there. I'm a, I'm a big NBA fan. And uh, there's the the Celtics had a situation where they had to get a a new coach at the beginning of last season. And they went with this guy, Joe Mazzullo, who, um, you know, next thing you know, they're in the, Eastern Conference Finals, and the guy just got out-coached, period. He, I mean, granted, he was going up against the guy who everybody considers the best in the business right now, Eric Spolstra from Miami, but he got his lunch handed to him. And I feel like that happens to Ollie two, three times a week. And, you know... Again, if he does everything right and brings in the guy that should be able to do the job and that guy fails to do the job, how much do we blame that on the manager? Well, you can't. However, what you can blame on him is how he responds, what he does with the player. Like, how do you bury Tyler O'Neill? you know, at the beginning of last season? How do you send Jordan Walker back to the minors? you know after 3 weeks in the major leagues i don't care if he's batting over for 200 and he wasn't uh, and he wasn't he well you had that that one week where he was on fire early in the season then he did have a little slump but i still don't know to this day why they sent him back down and you know again What if I learned that none of that was on Ollie? He didn't have any decision there. Well, then what you're telling me is you don't manage the team. You just do what the front office tells you. And I would argue if that's true. Which is
0: becoming the trend of the majors. What were you going to say? I was going to say, that's becoming a trend of the majors anyway, where really the president of baseball ops, GMs, are essentially running the whole team, and there's less and less – autonomy for a manager to kind of run things from their end versus you know buck showalter in his heyday
1: i don't disagree i don't disagree and i think you know the days of leo Durocher have probably come and gone billy martin and the rest of them yeah however I see two teams in the World Series that both look like they have managers that have a lot to say about how their teams are constructed. And even if they don't have a lot in the construction phase, they certainly have a lot to do with strategy. They look like they're linked up pretty closely with their pitching coach. And again, I don't know how much of that has been a factor for the Cardinals the last two years, but I feel like it's it's significant. How do you feel?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's very significant. Um, I think, wow, great Uh-oh. catch by Alec Thomas. Eh? Oh, he
1: got it. Nice
0: play, Alex! He does. Oh, I spoiled it for you. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. The um, ball
1: was in the air when you were making your comment. I thought it was um, out. I thought it was out. I was like, oh, boy, now we're down four. once a little tougher.
0: Yeah, I thought it was gone at first, too. Um, yeah, I think the comment there about the managers here in the this series, and these series, uh, holds very true. Um, and you mentioned it linked up well with their pitching coaches and everything like that. Let's not forget that the pitching coach of the um, Texas Rangers is Mike Maddox, uh, who – Long time. Uh, was obviously with the with the Cardinals yeah. before that. And everyone was giving him a tough time and all of that. And I think this really shows that. And I don't think it had anything to do with him as a pitching coach, as much as it did with like with the roster construction from above. Um, so, I think I do think it's very good to have a manager with. A good backbone, some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of experience. Like, I felt like Larusa was great with that, where he held enough experience and time in the game that he could talk with the front office and be heard versus Ollie. I mean, what is he going to walk into Mo's office and try to convince Mo of something that's never going to happen? Even if he does have an opinion on something. Um
1: Well well we bitched we bitched and moaned about the Cardinals from the first day Tony took over till he retired. And a lot of I mean, I didn't love him by any stretch. And I was not sad to see him go. But careful what you wish for in life. Yeah. Cause we yeah. just I mean, you know, you don't have to be the guy who basically tells, you know, you're arguably your fourth or fifth most important player in the history or franchise, the wizard, you know, who kind of treats him like a dog at the end. Uh, I remember those days and it was ugly and Tony did not handle it. Well, Tony wasn't good at that. That was not his forte. He, he was successful. I think, I'd like to believe a lot of times in spite of himself. Um, however, there was no doubt who was in charge of the Cardinals when he was the manager. And yeah. I mean, there's a reason people want a guy like Yadi. you know, Yadi. Uh, I mean, is Yadi going to be focused on hustle? Probably not. Wasn't his forte. Um, But I bet he's going to be focused on intensity. And you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's... All of it, it's so hard to do. This is so hard to do. What we're watching happen right now, there were 28 other teams or whatever it is, 29 other teams that were trying to get to this point. Right? Right? And these two teams are left, and they're left because they got hot at the right time. But one, they got in, so, you know, the old uh, Texas Hold'em line, you know, a chip and a chair, they got in, which you have to do. The Cubs, who, you know, I got to give them a little love, a little respect, much as I hate them, they took a run at it. But then they fell a little bit short. Mariners, you know, you love their young roster. I love their young roster. We both think they've got a bright future, but they fell a little bit short. Matter of fact, they could have replaced Texas. They could have replaced the Astros, and we wouldn't have had that epic ALCS that we just got done watching. So, and I think over 162, you've got to have a guy – who somehow is able to pull everybody to get them all pulling in the same direction by fear or admiration or, you know, being smarter than the other guy in the other dugout, whatever it takes, you got to have a guy in the regular season that can do that. And then I think the most successful guys are the ones that can transition into the postseason and really kind of make the right moves at the right times because they're that locked into their team, not to their beliefs about the game or anything else. Cause Bochi's the kind of guy that if you gave him Arizona's players, I think he goes just as far. Right.
0: Yeah, I can see that,
1: you know, and and uh, and so that's that's the mark of a great manager. And if you don't have one of those, I don't know what you're waiting for to go get one or to take another shot at it. I mean, we just we 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 were subjected to the leader of men. Mike Matheny Who I loved as a ball player Talk about a guy Getting more with less And just You know really had a great career But I hated him as a manager Because he didn't know what he was doing Period End of story And I don't know where he got his You know where he got his help from But the bottom line was The guy could not win He did, there was some hangover with some of the talent left over from Tony. And we had a couple good seasons. But really, we're looking at, what is this, eight, nine years where I think we made three playoffs. But what did we win, one series in that whole time? Yeah. I guess 19, we won two series because we made it to the championship series, right? But... That's true. Do we still have Matheny? No, that was Mike Schilt. So,
0: that was Schilt, yeah.
1: All one Marino. He's here here's a guy that if they win the whole thing, he's gonna have something to say about it, I believe.
0: I think so too. Uh, one other thing I wanted to say about what we were talking about with the the cards and kind of what are we learning uh about our team now. Um we were talking about guys that just have that competitive edge. Um and like you mentioned we only know as fans what we can see on the field, what we maybe see in interviews, and then also what's reported to us. I think all that legwork is done by the front office and, and what they understand about a player, interviewing them, getting to know them, whether it's a free agency or you know through the draft process, international process, signing process. Um, and then throughout their development in the minors, oh, oh, that's a bad call. Bad call. That should have been a walk for Moreno uh, on that 3-1 pitch. Um,
1: Absolutely brutal. And for some reason, this postseason, that wide pitch is getting called consistently. And it's been Umpers obviously different crews. I don't They're know They're setting why. up over
0: the inside shoulder of the of the catcher. And so that that outside pitch, they're not getting a straight a straight line view of it.
1: Yeah. That's That's fouls. bad.
0: Um yeah, but I think all that legwork's getting done, you know, through interviews by the um front office. And I think a great example of that is, you know, they uh, there was all the talk about the interviews that Ali uh, and Moe did with Wilson Contreras in the offseason this past year um, in signing him after they decided not to pursue Sean Murphy anymore uh, at that point point. Uh, and honestly for as much stick as they uh, as people give Moe about Wilson Contreras and, and okay. give to Wilson Contreras himself um, honestly I love that signing especially thinking about or like looking at through the lens of the postseason and talking about guys that show up in the postseason he is exactly the kind of player that you want to have in the postseason and you're talking about schwarber and like who do you fear more schwarber who didn't hit phenomenally during the regular season as far as average and on beast percentage he's probably under his average uh, uh for his career but shows up in the postseason, and, and Wilson Contreras did that in 2016 with the Cubs, uh, unfortunately, I guess I would say. Um, but good for him. Uh, but he's done it in the past, and he's the kind of guy that I would want to have in the future, in, in the in the postseason. Um, and not that, not to say that I'm not comparing him directly to Sean Murphy and saying that Sean Murphy wouldn't, um, but you look at any – Uh, any of the other catchers in the league too I'm trying to think of just one off the top of my head but um, I mean there's a lot of guys that are getting paid a lot of money that maybe haven't done it in the the postseason Um, and and might not have that same competitive edge that Wilson Contreras have but um, I mean one of the things that Wilson had said in, in one of his interviews over the course of this year this season was that part of what makes him so competitive or part of like the manifestation of his competitive competitiveness is he wants, like if you're an opposing team or an opposing fan, he wants you to hate him so much. And that fuels him to beat you even more. And I love that. And that's exactly the guy that you want in a post-season kind of environment. Um,
1: you know, to lead every, your team. Like all these guys have, you know, they you don't get to be the best of the best, and Leclerc is going through these guys like Swiss cheese. But um, you don't get to be the best of the best without obviously supreme confidence and and ability. You know, they're all great. I mean, the worst player in the major leagues is still a great baseball player, right? Oh, yeah. And and you know, I mean, I know that's kind of a obvious statement, but it bears in mind remembering because when Contreras got here, you know, he saw he probably saw a few things that gave him a little pause. And you know, he's invested. He he signed up for five years. He's like, what am I seeing here? What's going on, Ollie? You know, and. Ali, who I think has displayed his youth and lack of maturity too often, in my opinion, uh, he you know didn't take that well, and you know Contreras is not Yadi. Duh! Another right. Another another earth-shattering you know revelation. However. He's a he's as good of an offensive catcher, you know, he's probably what, third or fourth in the National League. Um, I want that. I want a top five offensive catcher on my team. Now, do I also want him to be an outstanding defender? Sure. But Rio Muto is making, you know, how much more than Contreras? And, you know, maybe not a ton more. Boy, he just, wow. That's a nice victory. That is. Two to one. Two to one. I think the, you know, that that uh, elusive momentum swings back a little bit to the Rangers. But you know what they say about momentum. So we'll see what kind of start we get out of the Diamondbacks tomorrow. Who's, who is the starter? Do we know? I don't think we even know that.
0: Ninth straight road, road win. win.
1: Wow, that's an interesting stat. I mean, this the thing I've really liked about this postseason is there have been some extremes and some weird extremes. You know, like that stat they just cited for Texas, nine straight road wins. You're like, oh, this team must just be, you know, they must have already won the World Series and gone through everybody, no problem. No, not really because you can't, you know, they haven't won at home very much. So it's just kind of funny how how uh, each postseason takes on its, you know, its own personality, and they're pretty excited. The Rangers, you know, you want to be up 2-1 instead of being down 2-1. That's Everybody wants that. And to see your yeah. closer just just dominate the opponent in the ninth is like Tommy's like, all right, well I guess I better get some sleep because we got another game tomorrow. <laughs> so I do
0: think that the Rang or the uh D backs are basically doing a bullpen game um, tomorrow. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see what the uh what the Rangers do.
1: I mean I don't know how they do anything different. Maybe Dunning starts. I don't know.
0: Yeah, they uh, might do like a, a Dunning slash heaney Combined piggyback Thing
1: yeah if they can get Five out of those two combined Then they just Bring out the you know the, the Usual suspects um, But uh, Yeah I Good players Have their own mind And you know The best players are the ones That are able to to lead, lead their teammates, uh, be a manager on the field, like Yadi. Yadi definitely had his own thoughts, but he didn't clash with Matheny. Matheny loved Yadi. He didn't clash with Tony. Uh, Tony loved Yadi. Every pitching coach I think he ever played for loved him. But that doesn't mean he didn't have his own thoughts. He absolutely did. The team, I mean, in the last couple of years of his career, the team really took on a lot of his personality. And that that it factor, that thing that drove him to be successful and to be, uh, you know, to always want to be on a winning team, I don't know that we gave that nearly – as much credit, you know, we're watching Albert hit 700 home runs. How beautiful is that? We're watching, uh, you know, obviously Wayno finish his career, and just kind of marveling at, you know, the the toughness and the tenacity of that guy. But the guy who who was there through it all, and who who you know more often than not was an integral part of winning uh, was Yadier and he had his own mind. Uh, I don't doubt that, that Nato, Nato definitely has his own mind. uh, Although I don't think he's quite gotten to the point where he's able to do that without it being a little bit uncomfortable for the rest of the squad. Uh, and Goldie, I think, is, you know, like at kind of closer to that Yachty level, but not with, uh, you know, not um, the vocal kind of leader. You know, he, it's all him. It's all example. It's all how he does things. Um, but. That's why I say it's hard for us to know. Who wants it, or you know, whatever term we want to use for that right. that thing that makes some guys seem to win a lot and some guys not so much. Um, I mean, sometimes it's just a fact that you you know the other team's just better and you get beat. That you just have to accept that. But yeah, in, definitely in the modern game, I think you have to expect to get in with a shot.
0: Um i say since the game was all all wrapped up and everything, I know I've got some uh, things. Maybe we'll hop into this in the next couple episodes, whether it's the next one, which we'll probably have one more before the end of the series, um, and then definitely one at the close of it and kind of cover everything. Uh, But definitely want to, as a little preview and stuff, other than talking about whatever ends up happening blow by blow in, in the games... Um, I did have some further thoughts that we can kind of get into. We touched briefly on it earlier in this episode about how to build a team for the postseason versus a, a regular season, and um, I've got some general thoughts about you know how the Dodgers and the the Braves and um, teams like that are built uh, for regular seasons compared to postseasons and what that looks like money-wise and um, how, what kind of results you get and how effective is that approach versus other approaches. Uh, so definitely can get into that. Um, but, yeah, got some, uh, got some interesting stuff coming up. Um, any thoughts you have otherwise uh, about tonight's game, first two games, what we've got coming up? anything like that that you've got on your mind right now too
1: no i think it was uh it was a good discussion tonight it was interesting uh having the game on while we did so um don't know that's that that's an experiment i want to uh revisit often but occasionally (laughs) it's 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 it was fun i uh I'm looking very much looking forward to some of your detailed thoughts on the roster construction. I mean, obviously that's going to dominate a lot of our conversation in the off season along with, you know, we've already already brought a few things up that we'd like to dive on. I'd love to look at uh, some individual players, uh, you know, both with us and then with other teams, not necessarily with an eye toward obtaining them, just an appreciation of whatever unique talent. And it's, again, I just cannot emphasize enough how one of the things that makes baseball so great is that if you have one unique, you know, they always talk about the five tool guy, but if you have one unique skill that is, you know, outstanding and as good as anybody else, you know, that does it, you can potentially be successful if you know how to leverage that. Conversely, Mm -hmm. you can be the most talented player ever. And, you know, like Yogi used to say, Ninety percent is mental. Um, So anyway, it's 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 going great. I had a great night tonight with you. I appreciate you and all your thoughts. And I'm glad that we were able to get together and do this. It'd be great if we could plan to do it again on Thursday night at the next break, assuming the series is still going. Uh, somebody's going to be up three-two yeah. if we get together on Thursday, and that would be uh, fun to see Arizona win tomorrow, and then we go into Wednesday with kind of a, well, I mean, it's, it's well, I would I would love to go into Wednesday's game two-two. Uh, and I think we're gonna, I think we're going to be at three-two after five. Uh, obviously, if we're not, the series will be over. But um, what do you think about hopefully getting together on Thursday?
0: That sounds perfect. I think that'd be great. Uh, should work, should work out great with my schedule, and I think that'll be nice to get another check-in uh, after the next couple games here and. Uh, reassess what the series looks like then, uh, like you said, if it's still go ongoing, which I would anticipate with the uh, so-called answerbacks uh, that we have going too. So yeah, can't wait! Uh, can't
1: wait to see what happens tomorrow night. Um, thank yeah. you to everybody for listening again. We really do appreciate it. And we hope you will, uh, you know, continue to listen. Don't hesitate to subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, like Duncan and I have said, we have we have some good plans for the off season. And uh, again, we're still looking for you to uh, share any of your thoughts so that we can use those to inform us. We uh, we take our information wherever it's available. And uh, I think that's it. I. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off now if you're okay with that, Duncan.
0: All good. Take us out.
1: All right, everybody. Again, this has been Duncan and Mark from Broadway and Clark, uh, the home of the greatest baseball team that ever was or ever will be. And we look forward to speaking with you all again real soon and maybe even as soon as Thursday night. Enjoy the World Series. Talk to you later.